today I'm going to go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verses 11 today through 16. Last week I took the story from the choir going to battle and singing and the Lord routing their enemies. How many of you ever heard of a praise team, a choir, going to meet a great army on the battlefield with weapons and starting to sing the praises of God and the Lord fighting for them? Jehoshaphat is that person that prayed before the Lord. So God, this army is indeed great. We don't know what we're going to do. We need your help. If you've heard those words, stand still and see <laughs> the glory of God. Sometimes we just need to just stop and stand still and let God do the work that he's doing. We sometimes get in and try to help God. Lord, let me help you. No, no, you might get knocked out. Just get out the way. Just stand back. <laughs> God knows what he's doing. Please stand with me. We're going to jump right into the word and I'm not going to keep you long. Today, God, we are grateful to you and we thank you. We lift up the Kamai family. We lift up the Riggins and the Norwood family. We pray for the entire family, those members who still have not said yes to the will of God. We pray today that you will bring comfort to them. We honor you. We bless you. We give you all the glory. And we pray that you'll give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying this day. We, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 11 through 16. Be reading from the ESV. Rondell, good to see you. One traveling young man. Look up, he's gone. Next day, he's back. Look up again, he's gone. Next day, he's back. His mama said, pray for Rondell. He's on his way back from somewhere. Brother, do you ever stay home? <laughs> but it's good to see you. This is what it says in Ecclesiastes 9, 11 through 16. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So... The children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. There was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet, no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might. Though a poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. Now the title for this message I have given, Life Does Not Always Go According to How I Planned. Life does not always go according to how I planned. Mr. Wilson, good to see you. Been here. Great to see you. Reflections on what one has been through can be good if one is willing to be honest. 
We've had the privilege of being able to see the deep thinking and observations that Solomon has been going through. He has refused to paint a picture of that which is not there or that which is not true. Solomon is not going to tell you what you want to hear. He's not going to try to paint a picture that's not true. This is what it is. Wherever the facts have led him, he has been willing to make a firm declaration of what he has seen and the conclusions that he has reached. He has at times used hyperbole to draw out points or make a dramatic statement. What we find is that he refuses to paint a rosy picture in order to placate what one would rather hear. There are some people who say, just tell me lies because I want to hear something that's good. Don't tell me the truth, but tell me something that I can enjoy. He uses five similes in verse 11 alone. A simile is the comparison of things that are different. It is used to bring out in a more dramatic way a point. So a simile looks at those things that are different. Things do not always turn out the way that we want them to or even think that they should. But we must be careful not to fall into the trap of saying that it doesn't make a difference what I do because that would be a statement of frustration. If you are living life and you become so frustrated, you say, it doesn't make a difference what I do. The enemy just loves to hear that from you. doesn't make a difference what I do. It does make a difference what you do. It makes a big difference what you do. Point number one, your actions do not always guarantee the desired result. Your actions do not always guarantee the desired result. Result be primarily Ecclesiastes 9, 11, and 12. If your actions always correspond to a certain event always happening, it is impossible that we would always do a particular uh, action. If you could always calculate that this action will always lead to this result, then we would always or pretty much do that. But that doesn't always happen. There's often the case where you may have your day planned out, but everything or most everything that you have planned does not go the way you thought it was going to go. There are days that I have planned out that I'm going to do A, B, and C. But DEF comes up and GHI kicks them into action. I planned something, and lo and behold, I don't even touch the things that I planned. Had it all lined out. There are days when I was in, I got to get to the office at this time. And sometimes, based on things that are happening, I don't even get to the office all week long. So I find myself on the computer at night at times trying to log on because I had all these things that came up in the day that I had not anticipated. There are some people who get frustrated when things come up that you didn't plan for. Hmm. 
You don't stop planning because something comes up that may frustrate your plans. You have to learn to, as they say, roll with the punches. <laughs> Solomon notes that the fastest person does not always win the race. They don't win 100% of the time. The strongest person does not always win the battle. We as people tend to show our frustration when things just don't go our way. But how often do we get frustrated when things don't go God's way? Have you really stopped to think about that we get upset when our day is interrupted? But how many of you have stopped to think God, I'm so bothered that your day didn't go as planned. I've been living a life of sin all day long, and I know that doesn't please you. I am upset. We tend to look at things only from our perspective, which is fine, which is good to look at things from our perspective. But we need to broaden our view, and we need to consider, God, what is it that would please and honor you? I've had this all planned out, and I had it all mapped out, and this is what it was supposed to be, but it didn't happen. Solomon says that chance happens. Remember, Solomon is reporting what he has observed and what he has set his mind to, to find out. And so when he says chance, now we know as believers that God orchestrates everything, but, but Solomon is simply laying out what happens In life, you plan, but there are times when you don't always get what you want. We move and act with the expectation that circumstances and events will not impinge upon the decisions that we make. We get rattled when the pitch that we are expecting does not come. In playing baseball, I would note that If I got into what's called a hitter's count, I could expect a certain pitch to come. A hitter's count for the batter would be a um, ball of strikes. It would be a count that would be two balls and no strikes. I'm going to expect a fastball because the pitcher has to get a pitch in in order to not go to 3-0. and And so here I am sitting on a fastball coming. I know it's coming. But it was unusual on this occasion that the pitcher decided to throw a curveball rather than a fastball. What happens? It throws off my ability, my timing, to be able to hit the ball with the force that I want. Because I'm looking for a pitch, but the curve comes. Life throws you curves. You're looking for the fastball, but you got thrown a curve. It was thrown at a time that it just didn't seem reasonable. When you look at life, life is going, and you say, this has to be the next event that takes place, but it doesn't happen that way. There's a book called Hind's Feet on High Places which is a story of a deer that's being taken through uh, the, this, this kind of metaphor, the simile where the, the deer is kind of trying to get to the high places and is being led by the shepherd. But he keeps having to go down through these valleys and these tests. 
And the book is a fascinating book, and I encourage you, even as a church, I, I used to, I taught in my Sunday school class years ago. It is one of those books that has you identifying with the scenes and what is taking place. <laughs> Why aren't we going up? Here it is. This particular deer is being led away from the high place. We seem to be going in the opposite direction. There are times when the Lord has to take you through a different area because you're not quite ready to reach the high place. You get thrown a curve. <laughs> Your very best at times does not give you what you think it should. I mean, I've been giving them all these years, and this is how they treat me. Been all this time doing this, laid all this out, and this is what I get. And it would tend to frustrate you because you are expecting something quite different. There are surprises in life. <laughs> and what you do, and what do you do when there is a surprise? Have you ever, have you ever acted like you were surprised? You found out that something was supposed to be a surprise. And they, you somehow find out now they tell you, but you got to act surprised. Now. And here you go to the surprise party. Oh! <laughs> I, you, you don't want to say, I didn't know because you wouldn't be telling the truth. Uh, oh, my goodness. I, I didn't expect this. <laughs> well, we really are surprised when life happens and life doesn't give you the warning. <laughs> That you would hope it would give you. Solomon says that the race is not always to the swift. Battle not always to the strong. The person that is wiser does not always make all the money. There's some things that it just doesn't happen that way. Solomon helps us to recognize that there are not always guarantees to what you expect to be a guarantee. We know that God is in control of life. And for those who are God's children, we know that God orchestrates, as I said before, our lives. And that we need to understand that when we live for God, that we have to make sure that we entrust to him the care of our life because there are just things that we can't handle. Aren't you glad that God blocked you from knowing and having certain things? When I was growing up, I never, I didn't like scary movies. And to this day, I don't like scary movies. Never liked scary movies. I remember when The Exorcist came out. I wouldn't go, and I still haven't seen it to this day. Head turning around that person. <laughs> I don't need to see that. I'd be having nightmares. I don't like scary movies. My sister Frida, she loved scary movies. I don't even like some movies that's real sus suspenseful. They start with that music. I'm starting to look all down. Oh, God, here comes music. Something's about to happen. Turn the channel. Here, I'm trying to look around the corner. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like that. <laughs> it was one night when we were kids, both Robin and Frida had a bad dream. Well, Robin had already gotten up in the night and went to the room of my parents and got in their bed. And there lay Frida in their bed, 
scared to death, calling out to Rob, but she was already gone. <laughs> and have you ever been so scared that you ain't getting, I ain't getting up in the middle of the night, and everything you see in the room is some kind of ghost? <laughs> Lord have mercy, something moving over there. Y'all keep looking at them scary movies if y'all want to. Mm-mm. But life throws curves to us, and we have to be prepared to handle them. So what do you do when life has a challenge? Your actions do not always guarantee the desired result. You may plan things, but you've got to also be prepared, and you've got to know that, God, you may change things up. You may change the count. It may not come just when I might expect it, but I need to make sure that I'm trusting you. Point number two, wisdom is not always honored nor remembered. Wisdom is not always honored nor remembered. Commentators hold that the story of this man, they, they believe this is a story or a parable. Uh, rather than an actual event that happens. There is no event that they have been able to find in the Bible, but then in some history they say, well, this could be. But Solomon does not say. There was an event in the Bible where a lady, um, where an older woman used wisdom to deliver the city. But, but Solomon, it is believed, is using a parable. The issue and the thing that he's dealing with is how wisdom is despised. Even though wisdom, not, I wouldn't say is despised, but not remembered in this particular case. With this man who saved the city, he does not even give the details of how it happened. But the focus is on there was wisdom. In fact, one would hardly expect a great king coming against this great city not being able to succeed against it. They built siege works against the city. One of the things when a city was going to be conquered, they would do a few things. They would send the army, and they would just camp out until, all the, until the people ran out of food in the city. They would cut off the water supply, and they would build siege works around the city so that they could take the city. So that when they are building these siege works, it would allow them to go up and to begin to shoot arrows into the city and to be able to climb over the wall. So they would just wait the people out until they're starving to death, and so the people that's inside would basically say, I surrender. It doesn't say how this wise man saved the city, but the Bible says, by his wisdom, when this great king came against him, he used wisdom and saved the city. The small number that it mentions in the city is not talking about the number of people in the city. It is more so dealing with the fact that there were not many fighting men. They didn't have a large army to defend the city. So when it says there were not many people, it is dealing with the number of fighting men that would protect the city. Do you not know that Christians really are a minority in this world? Do you not know that there are odds against you? When you stand for righteousness, when you stand for holiness, that's wisdom. Oftentimes, you don't see the results until later down the road. People that are powerful are often remembered. People that are poor in the sense but have wisdom, they are often forgotten. He doesn't say how the city is saved, but that wisdom is used. Today, most alternative households have gained momentum. 
However, the household of a married father and mother, for many in today's society, has outlived its usefulness. Yet we are yanked and jerked back to reality, to the wisdom of God's word and design when 72 people are shot and 12 killed in a three-day span in Chicago. We say, what's happening? God's design and plan has been thwarted. God says there should be a father and a mother. We know things happen, but the plan, he's talking about what's the plan? When people say it doesn't matter, God says the best design is what I have laid down. We quickly see that wisdom is better than folly of what humanity tries to perpetrate. Humanity will tell you whatever they want you to believe. False lies. I've told you this before. Here you are looking at something, and somebody's telling you that's not what it is. I see it right here. Oh, no, no, that's not what it is. That's not really the situation. But I'm looking at it right there. No, you're not looking at it. That's not anything. You don't see anything there. That, that, that's a mirage. I'm constantly harping on the media. They will give you what they want you to believe. News will tell you what they want you to hear and what they don't want you to hear. They'll leave it off. So here we are trying to find. My suggestion is this. The church cannot have facts and say we throw them to the side. I was saying on Wednesday night, we need to have discussions about many things. Things you agree with, things you don't. People you agree with, people you don't. When you cut off truth or reality, what do you leave yourself with? Only what you want to hear. When the Bible talks about the word of God, that there will be people in the last days saying, tell me what my itching ears want to hear. When it comes to the word of God, there are people who don't like God's word, who don't want anything to do with God's word. But it's true. So what do you do when you're faced with the reality and the facts of something that you just don't like? There are certain things that I just would rather not hear, but you've got to deal with it. Wisdom is not always honored nor remembered. You have a responsibility in this life. To remember and honor wisdom. Solomon says that our days are numbered. When you continue to look at those verses, you will discover when he talks about snares and traps, you begin to talk, think, you begin to understand that he's talking about one cannot always know when their time, their end is coming. When Solomon talks again about that which is evil, he's not always talking about moral evil. He's talking about what? Those things that are difficult to comprehend. The Bible is one of the oldest, not the oldest book, but the oldest but most accurate book that there is. When we think about the word of God, you can't get anything more current. Newspapers. Books about the future look right to the word of God. It tells you and lets you know, here's what will happen if you follow God's will. I didn't read the last two verses of chapter 9 because I'm going to pick up with that because it's believed that that's another transition that begins to deal with and follows into chapter 10 because there is the matter of dealing with wisdom and folly. He begins to 
move in that direction. So I decided just to not read those two verses, 17 and 18, but to tie that in as I began to go later on through chapter 10. So what do you do, as I bring this message to a close, what do you do when life doesn't always go according to how you have planned? How how do you respond? What do you do when you've done your best and yet it still doesn't turn out? (laughs) When people don't appreciate you and you think they should. It's a bad thing when you take poison and you wait for the other person to die. That's not good. (laughs) Not good. You, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're doing the wrong thing. Absolutely not. I want to encourage you today with this. Do what God calls you to do. Even when things don't turn out as you think they should. Because God may be and is working in those situations to help you. I am just amazed that we've got billions of people in the world And God can be right on time for your particular situation. He knows exactly where you are, what you're going through, what the time frame is. And just at the last moment when it seems like there is nothing that can happen, God steps in and he does the impossible. (laughs) And it just makes you sit back and marvel. As I reflect just on Brother Val Kamai, I never thought I'd be saying Brother Val. I was always Mr. Kamai. But when he said yes to the Lord, he became Brother Val. <laughs> he, he became a very sensitive man. He, he became a man of deep compassion, a man that, that, was, that had so many things that he, he remembered as he grew up and began to reflect and just at times would cry. He was not a man to cry. But oh, as he was touched by the Lord, you would see him get emotional as he talked about how good God has been. I'm going to miss our 24-hour alarm system. Well, nobody going to come up this property. No car is going to sneak up here at nighttime. And not be noticed by Mr. Val Kamai. Was no light going to come on in the church parking lot or on the modular? He'd be up sometimes going to the restroom, look out the window. There's a light on over there. And sit there and wait until it went off. Come down, Pastor Marcus. uh, There's a light on at the church. Oh, Brother Val, thank you. We'll have somebody turn it off. Over the years, I didn't even know how they watched the church. They would always watch the church. Do you not know that there are people watching you? I'll finally say this. My wife and I walk around Rona Park and Katali quite often. We were walking just the other day, and a person came across the street, never met him. And he says, are you guys on the walk? I see you guys all over town. And we looked at each other and says, we better be careful what we do out there. <laughs> Don't be doing nothing to get in trouble out here. Somebody's going to see it. Then we were on the other side of town in Katati. And there were two ladies. Never met them. 
over by the Chevron gas station by Pete's Coffee. We're walking. He says, oh, we see you all, all the time. Don't know them at all. We see and hear that constantly. You never know who's watching you. You never know who's paying attention to you. Live your life in such a way that you bring honor and glory to God. Stand to your feet, please. What happens when life doesn't go as I planned? Hmm. Do I trust God? Do I throw a fit? Do I just learn to say, God, go ahead and do what you're doing? You may not know the Lord as Savior. You may never have made a commitment to God. But I want to tell you this. He's already made a commitment to you. (laughs) He's taken all the work out of it. And just put grace and mercy there and says, it can be applied to you for the asking. It's a matter of saying, Lord, I want you to plan and orchestrate my days, my life. I want that blood that Jesus shed on the cross, I want it applied to my life. I may not understand it all. Lord, I want the blood applied. And if you've never made that commitment, I encourage you today to say yes, yes to God. It's not about embarrassing anybody. You can say right where you are, God, forgive me. Not long ago, a young lady, as we know, came and says, I want to rededicate my life again. And she's been faithful. She knows who she is. (laughs) That's what it is all about. And what does the church do? We are just a body that receives people in and says, hey, let's just honor God and how we live and do what God has called us to do. Lord, in this place today, where hearts are dealing with various things, we do pray that you will bless and that you will, God, touch and tenderize the heart of your people. That there will be a reception, a receptiveness to your glorious will and plan. We thank you today that you have been so kind to intervene in our lives when we were heading right into danger that we knew nothing about or danger was coming towards us and we didn't even know you protected us. For the things that we see and the things that we do not see, oh my God, we just say thank you. Now we're about to leave this place today and we have no idea what awaits us, but you do. So right now we are praying for a covering over the lives of people in here for family and friends, people that we don't know, people that we do, people that's been on the list, people that we've prayed for, individuals that people in this body have touched. We love you today and we thank you that, Lord, this church has been called to pray, has been called into service with the Almighty God. And so we lift up right now every need here. Every burden, every heartache, every pain, every open wound, 
that you will provide the salve on our eyes and the covering and the healing, the treatment, the ointment that we need. For only you can do it and can do it. We bless your holy name. We glory in you. And then, Lord, for the food ministry that is doing something that we had no idea nor could anticipate what would happen. And we are praying today that you will continue to bless this ministry. Thank you for those that help, those that gather, those that come, those that, Lord, minister to the needs of people. Thank you right now. We love you and we give your name all the glory and the honor. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Amen. God bless you.